0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: I think it just goes to show you, like, there's a good example of this league is about adaptability and forward thinking and being able to adjust. And I'd say Kansas City is certainly emblematic of it, as are the 49ers. And so it's no secret why these two teams are here playing for you know the biggest trophy in sport.
0: Hey everybody, what's cracking? Welcome back to the Jim Rome Podcast and welcome to a massive episode for the original Side Hustle, a landmark milestone ep, because this week we hit the big 300. You know I had to do it big for the big 300, so what I did, I went out and I found myself a legendary clone, a living legend who also happens to be an incredibly successful NFL general manager. You know who I'm talking about. He spent two decades with the Patriots. He ripped six, six Lombardis before he landed the GM gig in Houston, where he's already turned the Texans from basement dwellers to legitimately exciting contenders and did so in only three seasons. You already know. My guest this week is none other than the legend, my dude, Nick Casario. If you listen to the main hustle, you know all about Nick's success in Houston this year and all about Nick's obsession with the jungle and the smack-off and Jeff and Richard. So, of course, this is my guy. Of course, Nick is a perfect dude for F300, which is why I am all about it. And I'm about to talk to Nick live from Vegas for this milestone episode. So, let's get right at it. It's episode number 300 of the Jim Rohn Podcast with legendary clone and Texans GM, Nick Casario. And it's coming at you right now from the fountains of the Bellagio. At the risk of going to the well once too often, I had to bring you back because this is a milestone episode of the Jim Rohn Podcast. This is number 300, and you, dude, are a milestone clone. A legitimate legendary NFL executive, you ask me. It's Super Bowl week, so I'm thinking to myself, this dude's got to be thinking to himself, I can't shake this dude, and I'm thinking, i got to hit Nick up one more time. I have to. Nick Casario joining me for Ep 300 Nick, my brother, what's going on? How are you? Romy, flattered to be here.
1: Thanks for having me. So, always exciting. I wonder where the clones are today. So but I'm sure they'll track Dude, me down here. they're right there on the street, Vegas. man. You can see them, man. They're there. They're there. They're waiting.
0: Dude, I, I seriously, I appreciate it so much because I go to that well so many times. Thank you very much for doing this. I no, seriously, it. I
1: appreciate it. appreciate the relationship. And... The amount of time we've spent together here through the years and your support means a lot.
0: Okay, so I know you and everybody in the organization would rather be preparing to play this week as opposed to talking to me right now. But, man, what an amazing year. What an incredible year for you and the entire organization. Now that you've had some time to kind of decompress, take it all in, think about it, what are you most proud of from the pl- the past year? Yeah, really what we accomplished. It was exciting. I mean, there was so much work
1: put in by so many people. And to see it kind of come to fruition there at the end, and accomplish a number of different things and to win the division and have success as a team and some individual awards and the recognition that the players and the coaches have Vern and deserve with their performance so it's a credit to them um, when you're in the heat of it and in the moment it's kind of hard to really appreciate what's going on but to your point take a step back here the season's over of course we'd like to still be playing but it doesn't take away what we accomplished this year thinking it's exciting for everybody i think it hopefully we can use it as a springboard because the reality is is like next year we're going to kind of restart and reset here a little bit so it's nice to be recognized for what we accomplished and no one can ever take it from us but by the same token some point, we're going to have to turn the page here and kind of get ready for the 2024 See, that's, season. That's
0: the key thing, Nick. I mean, you've been you've done this long enough to know how hard this is, how hard it is to win, how hard it is to build something. Have you allowed yourself that moment to enjoy this, or because the business is so ruthless and so relentless, did you have to turn the page quickly? You do, you have to turn the page
1: quickly. Honestly, where we get our time to kind of decompress and recalibrate, it's really over the summer. It's like when you go up to Wisconsin for you know a couple of weeks and just unwind that'll be the opportunity to maybe go back because, you know, for our from our perspective, finish the season. I was in Mobile last week for two days, going through the Senior Bowl, kind of getting ready for that, and our scouts have done a great job in terms of some of the draft prep, so... We're here this week, we're gonna go back next week, we're gonna have a round of draft meetings, then we're gonna have a break, and then we're gonna to go to the combine. So everything kind of keeps moving. So you have to keep moving with it. There's no time to kind of sit on your ass and sit in your laurels, rest on your laurels. It's just not, that's not the way it's designed. But, but the reality is it's about the work. So if you enjoy the work and you enjoy what goes into it, then it's not work. So the the, the team building aspect and the roster building aspect. This is where it kind of starts here, February, March, April, and then hopefully we can put a team together that's competitive, and then we get
0: to training camp. We'll see where we are. All right. So if I go to Wisconsin in the summertime, and that's where I unplug, and I rest, and I recover, and I get that energy, what do you do?
1: We actually uh, we
0: go to Massachusetts,
1: okay. and we basically put our feet down for about three, four weeks. So when I was working in New England, uh, we found a place on the Cape, in Cape Cod, a little uh, development and the thought process was we'd always want to have somewhere where we can go where we can be regardless of where this business takes us. So, you know, I was fortunate to be in one place for 20 years. Now I'm in a new place for three years now, going on four. Hopefully it's a little bit longer. But to have a place that our girls and our kids can always go to each year. And honestly, when we go up there, I do the same thing. I try to take some time for myself personally and not so get caught up so much in football and worried about with roster and this player and that. So it really is kind of a quiet period. But we enjoy going up there. We have a lot of friends that are still there. Um, it's an opportunity to kind of reacquaint ourselves with them a little bit. So we always look forward to it. Our daughters are always anxious to get there. So it's nice to be able to do that and to have a place that we can go, we can kind of call home. It's exactly what it is. Nick, how old are your kids? So our oldest is 13, our middle one's 11, and then our youngest will actually be, uh, she turns six here in a week. Uh-huh. So three girls. So they, um, we, when we bought the home, we had uh, Chatham and Whitley, they were four to somewhere in there. So they, you know, now they've been there for a number of years. So. Uh, but it's great. We always look forward to it, and the dog too. We can't forget about the dog. <laughs> Dude, do not forget about the dog. Do not forget no, about but, the but dog. I, but I
0: know exactly what you are saying, Janet and I. When we got our place, the purpose is like our kids are older, but there is no guarantee they'll come back. You know, like she's she's constantly sweating, They're going to meet somebody. We're never going to see them ever again. They're not coming back to California. They California, always come so, home. Yeah, you hope so, but or or you create a place where they always want to go to, right? So you always have that spot. We know our Wisconsin place. As long as I have that place, they'll always want to go there. That place that you go to, your kids will always want to go there right until yeah, we move the until they tell dad there.
1: they want to, hey let's go somewhere else but no absolutely so will they <laughs> uh we'll see they've already kind of I, started I, I it's know, really girls. we need i, a, I don't we, have girls <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> we need a bigger place it's always bigger so we'll see what happens Yeah, bigger's not always better <laughs> listen dude
0: take me way back like what was it like to grow up in lynnhurst ohio what are your earliest memories of being interested in sports <laughs> Yeah, no. So I come from a family,
1: you know, small family. I have a younger brother, a year and two weeks apart. So sports was always a part of my life, and my first recollection. So I started playing baseball. I played in a six, seven, eight-year-old league when I was six. Um, and that so you was played st- up. You played up. I did, and I, I always looked forward to it. So it was in the summer. It was baseball. It was sport. It was something. So I started playing baseball six, seven, eight. Started playing football in the fifth grade and CYO was a football, baseball, basketball guy, but the summers were AAU basketball, summer baseball, and then uh, a lot of it, too. I work with my dad. My dad basically has been working in construction his entire life, so my dad didn't go to college, um, but he's <laughs> – I'd say he's educated in, this, in the school of life, and – we taught we learned hard work at a very young age so it was go to work this is what your dad does on a day my, my grandfather got arrested, so his was also in the construction business so it was labor it was manual labor concrete that's what we did so it was work and then go play baseball or work and whatever sport you had next but that we're a very i'd say you know my parents raised my brother and i to do the right thing and we're very blue collar and we learned a work ethic at a very young age but I always enjoyed sport, was always interested in sport, and wanted it to be a part of my life in some capacity. And really, from 6 until 18, I played baseball until I was 18, until I made a decision, well, I'm going to you know, play. I could have probably played baseball in college, but I decided to, to, to play football. Um, But I was doing baseball and basketball over the summer, AAU, and then, you know, made a decision at some point, kind of had to put that, you know, had to move on from AAU basketball, focus on baseball. But sports is a huge, has always been a huge part of my life.
0: Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the code Rome. New customers can bet five bucks to get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58. With the code Rome, the crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 HopeNY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-889-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms and responsible Gaming Resources. So I'm curious. For instance, I obviously I'm not the athlete that you were, <laughs> but I got my love of sports from my father, who's from Boston, and he taught me how to read the sports pages. He taught me, you know, we would fight for the sports page when I was in first grade. So I, I remember watching all the big fights with my old man. I remember my father saying to me, Gail Goodrich, that's your favorite basketball player, write the Lakers, ask for an autograph from him, so I got my love of sports from him. Did sports find you, or did you get it from your father? Did he coach you? What was he like? A little bit of both. My dad didn't necessarily coach us, but he was always
1: supportive. My parents were always supportive. I'll never forget, you know, when I was playing high school basketball, so we traveled, we played, uh, it was a school in West Virginia, Lindsley School, so, you know, we traveled as a team, but my dad drove behind the bus. It's a four-hour drive, so Uh it's not like it's right around a corner, so... They didn't miss. Like, they were there for everything, but it was kind of more okay, when you go, whoever's coaching you is going to coach you. We're going to support you. And my parents did everything for me. They took me to games, they took me to practice. They were always there. Um, They were there all the way through college. And honestly, if they weren't there, like, not that I was lost, but, like, their support meant everything to me. So it was kind of twofold. So, you know, they weren't necessarily athletically inclined. It was kind of, you know, my brother and I gave ourselves an opportunity to find what we love to do. They knew that sports was a big part of my life, and they supported us to the nth degree. Um, and I was fortunate to have a lot of great coaches in my life. And the reason I'm in football <laughs> is because of some of the coaching that I received growing up.
0: All right. so Nick, speaking of college, <laughs> the story is so great, right? You were a good enough player to be a starting quarterback for John Carroll University in northeast Ohio. That's a Division III level school. But... But a famous school, a school best known for being Don Shua's alma mater. For those who do not know Nick, who were some of your college teammates (laughs) that also wound up in the NFL? I know it seems like it's a well-worn story, but it's amazing and not everybody knows. It's
1: crazy, yeah. It is crazy. It's nuts. So Josh McDaniels and I were teammates. Dave Ziegler came in a year or two later after that. London Fletcher, came, he played basketball at St. Francis and transferred to John Carroll. So, you know, there's a number of us that, are, that have been in the NFL. And, you know, we're all very fortunate and very blessed. And I think people always ask, like, how did that work? There was no magic formula. It was just really good people, good, wholesome Midwestern people with good core values. And we worked our ass off. And we just were given an opportunity so all of us, it's all we can ask for is an opportunity. And then ultimately, you're going to be judged based on your performance and what you do with that opportunity. So I think all of us would say, like, we've earned it. Nobody handed us anything. We wouldn't want it any other way. At all. But, but you know, it's a credit to the school and the type of people that they identify and that they bring in. And, you know, it's a good core group of people. A matter of fact, uh, Myrick's, whether uh, it's assistant coach or front office, uh, you know, I think there were, when the playoffs started, there were seven of us from John Carroll, that were represented and then we still have one with the you know with the kansas city chiefs playing here in the super bowl as well so um it was a great experience honestly i thought i was going to go away to college i mean i wasn't going local i was going to go away i wanted to get away and then my high school coach ended up uh, going to john carroll as the offensive coordinator joe Perella got who's i'd say probably the biggest influence i've had in my life relative to sport and i'll never forget we sat down we went to a restaurant Kentucky fried chicken the two of us are sitting here, like the two of us, and he said, "Look, I'm going to go over to John Carroll and be the offensive coordinator. Love for you to come there and play quarterback for us." And I said, "You know, look, your life's about people, so you want to be with the right people." And you know, I loved him. I mean, he had a I his son coached me growing up baseball, so I was around him. Was around the team, watched him coach at Beechwood, various other stops. And I thought to myself, this is somebody that I want to continue to be around and play for because he got the most out of me, and he's the one that really wanted me to get. Uh, he led me to coaching to, to kind of get into football. So. Um, I know it's a long-winded way of kind of saying, like, John Carroll was a great experience, and all of us are very thankful and proud of, you know, where we are today.
0: Dude, I don't know, man. Your mind, I think, works differently. I I was not thinking about – like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I got to college, but I was a knucklehead, man. Man, I was not mature like that. Like, I think you – you were seeing things. You were ahead of your time. You were kind of an old head. Were you an old soul? Uh, probably an old soul. Probably think,
1: less dude. emotional now than I was back in the day. But I was very invested and I cared a lot. Um, I, I wanted to be in sport. I, I knew I wanted to be in it in some capacity. Um, my major really didn't really declare, it was kinda it was marketing, it was accounting, it was finance, I'm gonna go to law school after. It was football, but, dude. You <laughs> majored in football. But it ended up being sports, so um he got a PhD in football.
0: <laughs> dude, so what I mean, you, he says, Come with me, come with me and be my quarterback, except for one thing. You first had to beat Josh's ass. You had a starting <laughs> a starting quarterback competition between you and Josh, dude. What was that like? Actually
1: it's funny you bring it up. So my first year was nineteen fall nineteen ninety four Came on campus, and there were, I mean, I don't know, 17 quarterbacks, whatever it was. Wow. So I actually redshirted my first year, and then the following year, it was the same thing. There was a number of quarterbacks. Um, and then Josh came in that year. Um, so Josh played quarterback, very accomplished, great high school program. His dad, one of the best coaches, high school coaches in the you know state of Ohio. Um, and then Josh kind of made a decision at some point that, you know, it's funny. So he was the backup quarterback in 95. And this is actually a story because he won't let me live this down. So he had a hat from the big 33 game and Adidas hat, literally a cap. So I was a backup quarterback owner in our first game in 1995. um, And Josh was a third string quarterback. So the starter gets hurt. So I'm on the sideline, typical backup quarterback, hat on backwards, eye black, like looking cool, like doing nothing, (laughs) making myself, not being very useful. And then quarterback goes down, Jeff Beerman, who's actually the head coach, coincidentally, at John Carroll currently. Great, great Person, phenomenal human being, very successful a few different programs. He's back at John Carroll now. So he goes down in the first game. So they're like, Nick, you're in. So I take the hat and I literally just launch it and I throw it. And after the game, like nobody could find a hat. Like it was Josh's favorite hat. So he won't let me live that down. So
0: (laughs) he can go ahead and turn the page on that, man. (laughs) I I don't think he will.
1: (laughs) But um, so then, you know, Jeff went down and then I
0: went in and, and that was it. And Josh was the backup and then. Clones, what do we want? when we're craving protein or we need more energy. Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef. Pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry and tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business. No for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name, because no other jerky compares. What's rapper? What's your beef? Was there never an actual competition? I mean, you went in, you got the job? Uh, we, in training camp, It kind of the way it sorted out, Josh was a freshman,
1: so he kind of came in, and I kind of competed with Jeff for the job that year, and Jeff earned the job, so I was the backup, so Josh was a part of it. And then when I, when Jeff got hurt, then Josh became the backup in the following year or a year after, whatever it was. He kind of had a, a year that he didn't play football. Then he came back and played receiver. And, you know, honestly, one of the smartest football players that I've been around and probably one of the smartest
0: coaches I've been around as well. So what's great is, I mean, you take what he wants. You know he wanted that badly. That's, <laughs> that dude's competitive. He wanted that badly. You get the gig. So then ultimately, what happens? I mean, you go on to become a graduate assistant at Central Michigan. Who was the one that helped you get in the door with the Patriots? Josh, absolutely. Josh. Yeah, that absolutely. tells me that's a hell of a good dude, man. You no. took his gig. You beat him out, and he helped you get a job with the Patriots. I've
1: always had a tremendous amount of respect for Josh, his family, his brother is actually currently our receivers coach. Um, his, his mom and dad are phenomenal people, and I was going to Ken McKinley games with Josh when you know we were at John Carroll together because Ben was still there playing. So it goes back to kind of time we talked about a little bit earlier. Like relationships matter; relationships are important. Um, we get kind of gone our separate ways there for a little bit. And then he started in New England February 2001. I was a grad assistant in Central Michigan. I'd spent a couple of years at Saginaw Valley prior to that. But, but I'll never forget, I was sitting at my desk, and a phone call came, and we just said, hey, how you doing? He's like, well, you know, I've been in New England here for a little bit. Oh, that's great. And then, oh, we might have an opportunity. Would you be interested? And it was in personnel, a scouting assistant. And I was kind of like, well, what is that? Like, I have no idea what that is. Huh. So, Because I was a you know, GA, and I was on the, kind of the coaching track. So it was, well, you know, look, this is what it is, whether or not you'd be interested, so I thought about it. So um, I flew up there. Went to Mike DeBoard was the head coach of Central Michigan at the time, so I went to Mike's office as a coach. Might have an opportunity to interview for you know a scouting assistant position in New England. Would you be okay if I you know went up there and interviewed? And he kind of looked at me like eight heads, like yeah, like basically like get on a plane and go. <laughs> Why are you go. talking to
0: me right now, dude? So
1: drove to the airport, went up there, interviewed in the summer, and was fortunate enough to be offered the who, job. In who June. did you interview
0: with? What was that process like? Oh,
1: it was a lot of people. So Scott Pioli at the time was the director of player right. personnel. So Scott and Bill, you know, Scott came with Bill when Bill came in 2000. So um, really spent my time with Scott. And then Nancy Meyer, who's still there. Uh, to, Nancy's been there for a number of years. Probably one of my closest friends, like in sport, um, in football. So spent some time with them. Spent some time with a few from the scouting department. I think I might have like said hi to Bill. It was kind of like a drive-by kind of thing. And then I was uh, back home in Cleveland. They called me and said, "Look, you know, we'd like to offer you the job if you're interested." And I said, "Absolutely." Like, when can I be there? And that's kind of how my career got started in the NFL. And you know i would say josh was a huge part of that so certainly indebted and, and grateful to him for the opportunity
0: you know one one more thought nick about josh i'm gonna let you go in a few minutes i so appreciate this conversation josh you know i love josh i love josh josh also is a great clone i really 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 thought he was the right guy at the right time in the right spot it just didn't work out now you're into your own thing you're into your own business but you guys are so close I mean, did that hurt you that that didn't work out for him? I know you were pulling for him.
1: Yeah, you want to see people succeed, especially people that you're close with. And you can only be kind of in one building. So right. you never really understand the circumstances, everything that goes along with it. You know, I have nothing but respect and admiration for Josh. He's one of the, I, I my, my opinion, he's one of the best coaches in our league, just his mind, the way he works. Um, And when things don't work out for whatever reason, you know, it's really not. I mean, whatever happened, happened. It's kind of out of my control, out of my responsibility. But, you know, certainly with Josh, nothing but the best. And, you know, our relationship will continue beyond football, and that's the most important thing.
0: All right, so, Nick, really quickly, what about the 49ers? Just about this game. Like, I've known John Lynch a long, long time. My wife and I both worked for his father when he ran at that time what was the biggest radio company in America. So not only do I have tremendous respect for the Lynch family, they're among our best friends. In your opinion, what makes John, John Lynch, such an effective executive? John's smart, and he's just got a great demeanor and a great personality
1: and a great way about him, and I think he and Kyle. I'm
0: sorry, dude, that's the phrase I was going to use. He's got a really good way about him, doesn't he? He does, and I think he and Kyle
1: complement each other, which is why it works, and they respect one another, and John is a Hall of Fame player, And, you know, he understands football, and he also understands – I'd say John doesn't have an ego. Like, John is about the team. He cares about the team, doing what's right. And you look at the way that they've built the program up here through the years, it wasn't easy. You know, when John and Kyle took over, they were at the bottom of the barrel. It was They had been through a number of different coaches. You know, John was in TV, and then he kind of transitioned. He wanted to work with Kyle, but Kyle is another coach who – He's probably misunderstood. You know, some people Hope so he's just Kyle has a way about him and he's a strong personality in a good way. Like Kyle a great coach, but Kyle's probably learned a lot through the years. And, you know, obviously we have a number of coaches on our staff that have worked with Kyle, but Kyle is probably one of the smartest coaches in our league and they, their personalities complement one another and which is why it works but specific to john we actually had john in training camp at the his latter stages of his career for basically about like a handful of weeks and then kind of moved on but we brought john in just for his leadership and just because of what he could potentially bring to the table um we let him go and then i forget after that maybe went into tv and then he ended up here you know with kyle and then, you know, what they've done with their program, you know, both of these teams,
0: I mean, this is what the model and, you know, really what all of us aspire to be. So what about the Chiefs, Brett Veach? It's amazing what he's done. I mean, you know how hard it is to construct a roster. How about constructing it and then deconstructing it and then constructing it again? What can you say about the job he's done? Tremendous. Tremendous. I mean, how they've built the team, and it's
1: a different team. The team that they have here now is a lot different than the team that won the Super Bowl however many years ago. So, I mean, Coach Reed, you you can put him up there on a Mount Rushmore of coaches. There's no question about it. And, you know, I think the relate, same thing. Going back, like their relationship, Brett and Andy's relationship goes back to Philadelphia. So obviously, there's a lot of trust between the two of them, and they respect one another. Um, and what they've done with their team, it's interesting because obviously everybody knows about Patrick, but they've really reshaped a lot of the core, especially defensively. Drafting Carl Loftus in the first round, McDuffie's been a huge part of what they're doing. They signed Justin Reed who we had, so have done some things on defense to kind of you know build that up a little bit, and then. They've essentially turned over their skill positions other than Travis and Patrick. So, you know, I've talking about two of the best at what they do, but the receivers are different. Rasheed Rice has made a significant impact this year. But I think it just goes to show you, like, there's a good example of this league is about adaptability and forward thinking and being able to adjust. And I'd say Kansas City is certainly emblematic of it, as are the 49ers. And so it's no secret why these two teams are here playing for, you know, the biggest trophy in sports.
0: All right. So, Nick, before you go, we talked about the dynamic between these two sets of people. What about you and D'Amico? Obviously, you continue to grow together, evolve together. How would you describe the dynamic between the two of you?
1: Yeah, I've loved every second of the time that I've been around D'Amico, and he and I didn't know each other before right. he took the job. So we knew of each other um, from afar. I actually <laughs> scouted him and evaluated him coming out, so it's kind of interesting. But what was your evaluation <laughs> of him coming out? Basically, he's a coach, tough smart, instinctive, and I'd say the thing about Tamiko, he's authentic and he's real and the players feel that and that, I would say, attitude permeates the entire building and you see it in the way that the players respond to him and the way that we play on the field. So, it starts with the head coach. He messages the team what you want the team to look like, what do we want the team to look like, and hopefully you see that on the product on the field, but I've enjoyed the opportunity to get to know him more. And my respect and admiration continues to grow. And I think, similar to John and and Kyle, we we probably complement each other. We're very like-minded in some areas. We're probably both old souls. We care about the same things. We believe in a lot of the same things. So we're excited
0: about the opportunity to continue to build this moving forward. Hey Nick, last thought. You, I know when, on occasion you can, you listen to the Reinvention Project. It means the world to me, man. I mean, It means the absolute world to me that you mix that in. It's clear to me that you're about self-scouting. You do to yourself what your job is to do to others. You evaluate. You self-audit. You self-scout. You try to be the best version of yourself. I'm wondering, given the commitment you have, the scope of your responsibilities, the business responsibilities and obligations that you have, how do you find the time to work on you and how critical is that to you because I know you're putting in that time
1: no look I've loved listening to those I mean because I think all of us are just trying to learn and improve and, and get better and I think it just comes from more of a curiosity and you're always looking for ways that you can improve and I think it's all about commitment. If you're committed to improvement and you want to be better, you have to make the time. So it's just not going to happen by osmosis. So I think you have to be very purposeful with those opportunities and incorporate it as a part of your life. And. I think if people. If you talk to people, they probably say I'm a pretty efficient individual. So you try try not to waste too
0: much time, but also work dude, on. Dude, I, I can tell the way your mind works. <laughs> like if you, the way the way you think and the way you process shit is really efficient, dude. <laughs> really efficient. I've always thought that about you, but just sitting here with you right now and listening to the way you process things, the way you present things, you're extremely efficient, bro. I'm a very. I try to get to the bottom line, but also
1: don't waste time but be respectful of in you know other people's opinions and I think I'm a firm believer of inputs and the inputs that you put into your mind those are representative of maybe what you want to look like or if you have a gap you look to fill it with an input so there's so much out there these days but if you're focused on the things that are important the things that are matter and you put the right inputs those are the inputs that you think can have a positive impact so I would say the reinvention project because a lot of that is just learning new ways to think maybe it's a non-traditional thought so oh you know what i wasn't thinking about that okay you know what that's interesting kind of jot that down and write that down like i love listening to podcasts and it, not necessarily sport but business and how people think because really everything is about process so you can find multiple examples not just in your sport and i think the more progressive you can be in your thinking and your thought process, again, football is gonna go away at some point. Like at some point, Houston's gonna move on from me, I'm gonna to get too bold, like something's gonna happen, we're gonna to have to live the rest of our life. So what are the things that are important? How can you incorporate it into your into your life? What are the things that you wanna teach your children? What are the things that you want them to represent? So I, I love learning, I love reading, I love just trying to improve and make better, but not because I'm trying to, like, be smarter anybody, than anybody else. It's just I want to learn, and there's always a different way to do something. And I think the one thing I've learned, you know, being in the league 23 years, you know, which is a blessing in and of itself, but you have to be willing to adjust and adapt and be open-minded because that's the way the league moves, and it kind of is very cyclical. So I would say, I mean, that was a long-winded answer, but I enjoy learning. I'm a very curious individual and I believe in putting the right inputs into your mind because that's going to have a positive impact in Dude, the end. it
0: is so critical. I could do this for hours. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. last thought. How would you describe your process? Process is everything. I've never met a successful person or somebody who was achievement-oriented who did not believe the process was the main thing. How would you describe yours?
1: Not to steal a, a Romey phrase, but you know, have a plan, work your plan. But I would just say it's process is about habits. So it's about what you do on a day-to-day basis. So you're looking for consistency, and you're looking for repetition over the course of time. It's no different than what we ask of the players. So our league, it's 17 opportunities each week. So you have to go back to the drawing board after each game and sort of reassess, and then make adjustments. And then you're going to go through the arc of a week, and you understand where you need to be. And you know if you're ahead, you know if you're behind, you know if you have a little bit more work to do. But a process i know it's a lot there's a lot of buzzwords but in the end it's about work and it's about having consistent habits and it's about adjusting and adapting those habits as you go and you have to be true to yourself and true to who you are not necessarily worry about what other people want you to be or what other people think that you are because in the end you really don't give a f like it that it doesn't matter like at all i would say in i would say d g a f man In a, you know, very respectful way, like you're a perfect example of that because you've been through some ups and downs in your career, but look at where you are now. And I think a lot of people have a lot of respect and admiration for what you've done, and it hadn't been easy. You know, I would say listening to the the Reinvention Project specifically about you, that was very eye-opening. I mean, I enjoyed listening to that because it was about just you as an individual and how you evolved, and there was some heartbreak and some heartache, and it wasn't easy, but you learned a ton, and, you know, I think that's all that's all all of us can do is just be true to ourselves try to find ways to improve and get better not worry about you know give a shit about what other people think because in the end the people that matter the most are you know
0: your wife and, tight and boys circle, man. and, you, and know, you know my know. girls
1: and you know we, my wife We know
0: who's going to be there no matter what we know if you get fired who's going to be there we know who's going to be there if you win it all. We, we just know we know so you know what no matters doubt. you know what matters absolutely listen my man like 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 you matter you matter a great deal to me i i felt guilty about this but it was episode number 300 this was not a matter of convenience I wanted the opportunity to sit with you and express to you how much you mean to me, the relationship, the relationship you have with me personally, and with the program. I'm very proud of that, and I'm very grateful for it, Nick. And, man, I can't thank you enough. I no. mean, I didn't want to get greedy with it, <laughs> but I had to I had to ask. You can I, call I me anytime. You
1: can ask me anytime. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And the fact that we can do it face-to-face. Yes. I know we've had a number of interactions That's on what the I show. But doing it face-to-face, it means a lot, and I wouldn't miss it for the world. Dude, nothing
0: but respect. Love and respect, dude. Thank you so much for it. Appreciate you, Romy. Yeah, man. Come on now. I mean, come on now. Who is better than that dude? And I'm not just saying it because he is a legendary clone and an extremely successful legendary clone, although that does help. But I'm talking about what a great dude. What a great mind. What a fascinating football mind and one of the most intriguing executives in the NFL right now. So my thanks to my guy, Nick Casario, for showing up huge. He showed up, he showed out, and he did so in person at the Bellagio for F300. Just when I thought his stock is a clone could not go any higher it just did so we might be 300 episodes in but we are not done yet here on the original side hustle that said you can still go back for any of the first 300 episodes and give them a spin because they all hold up every single one of them so if you want to be the first to know every time a new episode drops all you have to do is find the subscribe button and hammer that bad boy do me that solid and i will catch you next week back in cali for episode 301